Um, if you had not been with us in a while, or maybe uh, this is your first time, we uh, started a sermon series a couple of weeks ago uh, looking at the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be uh, continuing that this morning. Uh, if you're one that wants to know exactly where we're going, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses starting in verse 14 and on, just a few verses. Uh, but just want to just do a quick recap, maybe uh, for those who uh, were sleeping last week or maybe you weren't here uh, with us. Uh, 1 Corinthians was written by a man by the name of Paul. Paul was an apostle during his time. Uh, what was an apostle? An apostle was a follower of Jesus that God called out for specific purposes. Uh, this church, he's actually writing to the church of Corinth, thus 1 Corinthians. Uh, it was the people who lived in a town called Corinth. Uh, this church was established by Paul. Paul had a big hand in gathering these people and kind of launching this church. So that's, that's Paul's relationship to this group of people here. This group of people, as they were growing and flourishing, they somewhat got off track just a little bit. I say a little bit. If you keep reading in chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, you're like, just a little bit is kind of an understatement. They had allowed many things to come into their lives and misdirect them from being used of God. And it started to cause a lot of troubles, a lot of problems within the church, not only individually, but also uh, just a unified body of Christ. And uh, so they thought, man, what, what a better person to reach out to than, than Paul. They had a high respect for Paul. Paul was a very godly man. Paul was now in another region and was starting churches, really fulfilling the call that God had put on his life. And so they wrote to Paul saying, Paul, we've, we've got some problems and we really need you to come and intervene and help us through some of these struggles and how to navigate some of these waters. Maybe some of you this morning are in need of God's Spirit to help you navigate some of the choices and some of the decisions that you're in or whatever it might be. So Paul is writing this book in response uh, to that. And if you read in chapter 1, really Paul kind of just sets the scene and he just... He, he reminds the people, which we all need to be reminded of, I, I think, is who we are in relationship to God. You see, Paul was kind of going straight for the jugular, so to speak, at the very beginning. He says, you know what? These problems are really an offset. It's kind of a secondary problem. You see, many times in our lives when problems arise, they soon become the number one thing in our lives. Amen? They soon become the problem that the end all. And many times we lose focus of who God is and our relationship to God and how He wants to work in and through our lives and our relationship because we lose focus and that problem becomes the main thing and it's wrecking our lives. Let's be honest. We've all been there before. Maybe this morning this particular situation, choice, problem is, is, is wrecking your life. That's what sin does. And so Paul is writing in a response, and he said, I just want to remind you, I want to encourage you that you've missed the mark. I want to encourage you and help you get back and navigate following after the Lord. He goes, you, you know the right answers, but you aren't doing what you know is right. And he goes on and Chapters 2 and, and chapter 3, and he starts to get a little bit discouraged because he finds out really the true heart of the people. He finds out that pride had become such an infest in their lives that they really didn't want to hear from Paul. They were just reaching out to Paul. Have you ever been there before? Let me, let me give you an example, all right? 
Maybe you're going through a situation and, and you go to someone for help, but you really don't want help. Because here's the reason you don't want help. Because when that maybe the godly advice or maybe whatever it is, is, is that, that advice is given, and then you don't do anything to make any changes at all. Have you been there before? So, so reality is, is, is you're not looking for any kind of advice. You might go ask for help, but you don't want help. Or, or maybe on the flip side, Maybe you go to someone asking for help so that you can have a conversation so that you can teach them what's right and what's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I know what's right, but I really just kind of want to argue with you about it. I want you to know and I want you to be on my side. And when you don't agree with me, there becomes problems. And so Paul is talking to the people because this pride is infested in your life so much that it's become a distraction and it's literally destroying your lives and it's bringing down this whole church. You see, we're in this together. I don't know if you knew that or not. We're in this together. It's not me versus you or vice versa. It's us together. We're a team. And so the church is struggling. The church is struggling here. You ever been in a position where you've ever wondered, what am I good for? You know, what's my life good for? Who really cares? You see, we get to that point pretty quickly where we stop caring about those around us, the situations, we become numb. There's a story about a little boy by the name of John, and he was a four-year-old. He asked his mommy, where do babies come from? Like a smart mommy at a four-year-old, storks, of course, replied Johnny's mom. Johnny goes on and says, Mommy, uh, who keeps bad people from robbing our house? Mom answered, well, the police, of course. Mom, who, uh, what would happen if our house caught on fire? Who would save us? Well, the fire department, of course, dear. Mommy, where does food come from? Well, farmers, of course. Little Johnny goes on and says, what do we need Daddy for? You see, there's times in our lives where we feel like there's no use for us. We get to the point in our lives where we feel like that God doesn't care about me one bit or he would not have me in this situation. He would not allow this to happen. And what, what happens is, is we turn the tables and rather than saying, man, maybe it's actually me. Maybe I'm the problem. We say, God, why do you allow these things to happen? Why did you let me go down this road? Why are all these destructive things taking place? And what happens is, when we are people of pride, that is how we react. We're always blaming someone else for our decisions. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been there before. And so Paul is just kind of rallying the troops and reminding them, it's really not about you. You've made this way too much about you. You care more about what people think about you than what Christ Jesus himself thinks about you. And they found themselves in a very difficult situation. You see, Paul starts to get a little discouraged, as we might as well. Paul goes to the Corinthians. He's writing them. And although they ask for his help, they really don't want his help. They had matured, so to speak, or outgrown him. And have you ever noticed that we live in a world that doesn't respect any type of leadership or 
advice givers whatsoever. I'm just going to leave that right there. You see, we're living out the effects of that. Moms and dads, amen. Schools, amen. Church, amen. You see, there's different times in our lives where we find ourselves in positions where we feel very incompetent to accomplish. And it seems like we find ourselves there pretty often. I know many times when I find myself in situations or talking with people or conversations, and it's like, man, I wouldn't come to me for advice. You know, you, do, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's almost like we, we get to that point where we feel like we have nothing to offer others. When that takes place, I want to encourage you to pay very much attention to that because many times God uses those situations, those ongoing situations to get our attention that he is trying to grow us in an area of our life. He's trying to take us outside of the comfort zone that we love to bask in. We love to live in. Someone took my seat. Where am I going to sit? We love comfortable things. We love doing the same thing over and over. And many times God continues to bring us people, put us in situations because he's wanting to grow us in our walk with him. And he's looking for you and I to stand up and to be a servant leader to others around us. Some of us find ourselves in situations over and over and over again because of the choices that we continue to make over and over and over again. Take this for consideration. Those who are still dating, I'm way past that. I don't get it. I don't understand it anymore. But some of us are there. You wonder why God keeps bringing you, let's let's just throw it out like it is, a deadbeat. I mean, okay, is that what we call them? Why does God keep bringing me this man or this woman that's, that has an addiction, that, 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 that has no love for the Lord? Why, why does God keep, this is what we do, why does God keep bringing me these people? Because it can't be our fault. It can't be the choices of our decisions. It can't be, it can't be us because we're never the problem. The question we need to ask is, is maybe we're shopping in the wrong department. Maybe we're shopping in the wrong department. You see, if we continue to do the same thing that we always do, let me tell you something, you're always going to get that outcome. And that's what's happening to the church of Corinth here. And they're wondering why they're in the position that they're in because it can't be their fault. It's got to be somebody else's fault. And we find ourselves in that situation, even as Christ followers, when we know better and we continue to do it. Is because we have lost an understanding of submission to God first, and then secondly, the people that God has put in establishment as servant leaders that are there for our benefit and the glorification of God and the unification of the church. We see the ramifications around us all the time. And so Paul is writing to the church here, and he's just reminding them, servant leaders can be a good thing, if they're worth following. Amen? So this morning, if you're taking notes, we've got a five-point sermon this morning. We're going to zip through this real quickly. 
But the first thing I want you to see, and we're going to read our scripture with it, the first need we have from servant leaders is direction. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 14, if you've got your Bibles. It says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. I'm going to stop there just for a second. You and I get in conversations with people all the time. Some people we like, some people we don't. Some people we think are awesome, some people we think are just terrible people. I mean, let's be honest. That's how we react to things. That's how we think about things. And many times we go into conversations. Now, Paul has some very harsh things to say to the church here. This is not one of those moments. He says here in verse 14, I am not writing this to shame you, but yet to warn you. Be careful, my brothers and sisters in Christ, because my heart is breaking because of the decisions that you are making and you don't even see it. How many times have we gotten into conversations, and let's be honest, we want to get into those conversations because we want to bring shame on that person because they deserve it. The bigger the crowd, the better. Hey, you remember when you did this and you did that and people start gathering and because your desire is to bring shame on that person, to to somehow think that it's going to build me up in that situation. But Paul said here, I'm not trying to shame you at all. I am broken for the decisions that you are making. He goes on in verse 15. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ... You do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. Verse 19. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. Verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love and with a gentle Spirit. So the first thing he says here is, is, is those of us, we all desire servant leaders who can guide and direct us in the ways of the Lord. I can think of so many people in my life over the years. And I can think of people now that help, help me navigate the things and the trials and the situations in my life that I can, that I can go to and humbly go before and say, man, I, I, I'm looking for some godly advice Please help me wrestle with this situation or help me make this decision because my my desire is is to honor God in this situation. So Paul says we need direction from servant leaders. There's a story about two hunters. I can talk about this because we live in western Oklahoma and you'll get this. They were dragging their dead deer back to their car. 
another hunter approached pulling his along as well. Hey, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I can tell you that it's much easier if you drag the deer in the other direction. Then the antlers won't dig into the ground. After the third hunter left, the two decided to try it. A little while later, one hunter said to the other, You know, that guy was actually right. This is a lot easier. Yeah, the other hunter added, But we're getting farther away from the truck. Not only do we need to be people of humility who can allow godly people to speak into our lives, we have to come to the point that, you know what, at some point we might have to change directions. At some point we might have to choose to do things differently. Well, we might find ourselves just like these hunters. Man, it's a lot easier, but I am no closer to solving this problem. I'm no closer to to redeeming this relationship. I'm no closer to Christ himself because it's like we listen, but we keep going the same direction. We know the right answer, but are unwilling to make any changes in our lives. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Paul said there's a huge need for servant leaders in our lives because they can give us direction. They can also, number two, they can also give us devotion. Verse 15, it says, Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ. And this word guardian actually comes from a Greek word called pedagogue, all right? Don't worry about that, all right? Actually, breaking it down, it actually means kid teacher, all right? We don't have this word in the English language. It actually goes a little bit even deeper than that during this time Uh, this time when this was written here, if you were in debt to someone, maybe you had a lot of debt to this person. They didn't have credit cards back then, all right? Probably a good thing, all right? But anyway, if you were in debt to someone and you could not pay off your debt, you would literally enslave yourself to your master, all right? So you say you owed me or vice versa, I owed you money and I could not pay it off. I would work it off as your slave for however long the terms were set. So literally what this means is, which is kind of an awkward term here, it's someone who is a slave, who has enslaved himself, and this person is walking the master's kid to school. All right, So it's saying, you have a lot of teachers, you have a lot of people in your life who are pouring into you. Maybe over the years they've taught you a lot of things, but I love this because Paul's making a distinction here between someone who is just a teacher and someone who is investing in your life for the glory of God. He's saying, I can be, I'm your father, so to speak, because I am the one who had the opportunity to walk you past the line of faith. I got to see you make that decision. I got to see you give your life to Christ. And I have seen the fruit of that in your life. And what's happening is, and the reason he's bringing that up is, is because everybody had an idea of what was right and wrong in that church. This person was teaching that. This person was teaching this. We've got another person teaching this. And the people are so confused because they have lost hope of what even truth was in their life. So Paul says, as a servant leader, we need someone who is devoted, devoted to us. 
You see, Paul saw this church and he uses the word dear children. For those of us who are parents, understand the love that happens as soon as that thing pops out. You're like, I don't get it. It's conehead. It's not even that cute. But there's something that happens in that moment. There's something that happens, that unconditional love, and you know that they're going to be your child forever. And here's the thing, no matter how wayward that child might get down the road, they're always going to be your child. They're always going to be someone who you love and you adore if you are a good parent, that is. Servant leaders give us direction. Servant leaders also give us devotion. The third thing, servant leaders lead by example. Look at verse 16. It says, Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Now, what's your first instance when you read that? I think cocky. Anybody else? Like, man, what? What? You want me to, you want me to imitate you? You see, the world's understanding of what this looks like for me to imitate you is, man, you're, who does this guy think he is? And if you know Paul, if you've read the New Testament, if you know his heart, Paul does not by any means think he is anything without Christ Jesus. He is very aware, he's very in tune that he was lost and that Jesus consumed him and met him and changed his life, and he doesn't do anything apart from Christ. So his confidence is not in himself. This is not cocky at all. It's his confidence in who Christ is and the power of Christ and the delivery that Christ offers and has nothing to do with Paul. Paul is just the vessel. He is just the vessel. And so Paul says, you know what? I want you to imitate my life. The story goes on in verse 17. It says, For this reason I will have sent to you Timothy, my son. Timothy was someone that Paul was investing in. Paul was discipling Timothy. And so he sends Timothy to the people of Corinth. It says, Who is faithful in the Lord? He will remind you of of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere and every church. See, servant leaders worth following don't just say, do as I say. They say, do as I do. Reminds me of a very popular figure in the New Testament called Jesus. Follow me. Follow me. Watch. Learn. Follow me. This is where God's really been stirring my heart. Is in this area right here. So I believe God is calling many of you. I believe God is working in many of our lives. And we are too fearful to stand in the gap and let people know, hey, you can follow me because when you follow me, I'm going to take you to Christ. You see, this is not cocky at all. This is, this is understanding of our relationship of who we are in Christ and understanding that our lives are worthless, but in Christ our lives mean everything. 
and that we have an opportunity that God somehow, someway wants to use my life, wants to use your life, and we get an opportunity to say, hey, just follow me. Follow me and I'm going to get you in the right direction. Follow me and I'm going to get you to where there's healing. Follow me and I'm going to get you where there's restoration. Follow me and there's going to be forgiveness. Follow me, there's not going to be any shame. Follow me because I am taking you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who can make us whole again. So Paul doesn't do this with Eric. He just said, imitate me, follow me. Four. Fourth, we, fourth need we have in servant leaders is biblically founded doctrine. Doctrine is just a big word for set of beliefs. Verse 17, we'll read that once again. It says, for this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. This is what Paul says. I, I, I don't waver the truth. Wavering the truth just brings destruction and confusion in people's lives. This might come as a surprise to many of you, but there are actually false teachers and false prophets living among us. There are actually people who come in looking like sheep, but they are nothing more than wolves, looking to devour and destroy. And see, what's happening here is, is the different people, they're, they're, they're confused. They, they don't know what to believe at this point. And here's what happens to many of us many times. Someone might come to you and say, hey, what do you believe? Hang on a second, let me call my pastor and see if we can set up a, set up a meeting to let him explain what I believe. Or, or let me... Let me let me call my good friend who I know is just rooted in Christ Jesus and they'll have a good answer for them. Let, let me call him and, and we'll get together and they'll explain for me what I believe. And Paul says, man, that, that can not be know what you believe. Know who Christ Jesus is to you. Have an answer for those who ask you. But what happens is, is, is just as we talked last week, many of us stay as infants in Christ Jesus. We don't mature past that point, so we're always going to others for answers rather than first and foremost going to God Himself who gives us wisdom to understand and to navigate those things in our lives so that we can one day disciple other people just like Timothy so that Timothy can be sent out and help encourage the body of Christ. That's God's desire for my life and for your life. It's going to play out differently because not all of you are going to be pastors. Some of you might own businesses. Some of you might be homemakers. Some of you might be teachers. But the, the process is the same. God's calling is the same. It's to magnify Him as much as we can in our time here on earth with our lives. I believe the church has lost a lot of their voice. I believe the church has lost a lot of their voice. Because I believe the church in many instances has become so numb to situations. 
And they have wavered from the truth of God's word. They had added to, they have taken away. And so the proclamation and the message that were given to those who are not in Christ Jesus is, I have no idea what they believe. You're telling me this, you're telling me this, you're telling me this, you're living this way, doing you. And all of a sudden we're given this mixed message. And as soon as that one servant leader falls into temptation or whatever the situation is and falls and the, and the world says this, told you so. There's no difference between you and me. You don't even understand who God is. Who is God to you? And here's the thing, we make it so difficult. I love the story of the blind man where Jesus heals. Here's his response. I don't know who that person was. I just know I was blind and now I see. That's it. I was blind and now I see. We must have servant leaders who are willing to stand in the gap and even take criticism over standing on the firm on the word of God. There's a story about the Great Wall of China. It tells us that 300,000 workers worked for 10 years to complete the Great Wall of China. It's 1,440 miles long and it was built as a defense about 2,000 years ago to repel the northern invaders. Over the years from neglect and civil war and invasions and political campaigns and even people taking from the wall and building houses and pig pens with, which I think is pretty smart if you ask me, the defense of that wall has faltered. It's become weak. You see the church is a defense as well. But over the years, we've had servant leaders, we've had people who are not willing to stand in the gap and stand on the word of God, and it has taken abuse. And it seems that the church has been infiltrated. And now we give a mixed message to the world around us. servant leaders will not pollute the gospel message because they know that it weakens it, it robs it of its power. Fifth and final one. Servant leaders can offer us discipline. I know we don't like that word at all. We want to take that out of our vocabulary. Look at verse 18. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. He's saying, man, anybody can talk the what the phrase well, you talk the talk, but you gotta walk the walk. Anybody can talk. But show me what you believe of how you live your life. He goes on and says, but if talk 
but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Moms and dads, discipline promotes love. Why do I use the parenting? Because we get that. We get that. There's a story about 98th graders being on an airplane. Anybody want to go on that trip? They're coming home from Washington, D.C. from a field trip. Once they were in the air and the, and the crew began serving the drinks, the pilot could hear the, the crew pleading with the kids to settle down and let the other passengers get some sleep. No amount of reasoning seemed to help until the pilot thought of a solution that actually worked. He picked up the PA and in the cockpit announced, Kids, this is your captain speaking. Don't make me stop this airplane and come back there. You know, we need correction in our lives many times. I need correction in my life many times. But here's, here's the problem. The problem is some of us think we are never wrong. I'm serious. Some of us actually think that we have it all figured out and it can never and will never take godly correction in our lives. You see, just like this church in Corinth, they paid, the, they paid a dear price because they were more concerned about what others thought. Their reputation was on the line for what others thought. And they soon drifted away from caring what Christ thought. Paul goes on and clearly states once again that the Corinthians are guilty of, of arrogance. They have inflated their own importance and need the godly characteristics of humility. They need it desperately because their pride is destroying the church. Chaos had set in and order was needed, so Paul is faithful to discipline As hard as this sounds many times in my life and in our life, we must desire godly servant leaders to be willing to speak into our lives. Even if it stings a little bit sometimes. As I think about my kids and disciplining my kids, sometimes it just feels good. I'm just going to be honest. I'm one of that. I mean, I, sometimes they deserve it and it just feels good. I mean... I'm sinful sometimes, I am. But honestly, most of the time it hurts. It hurts me. My parents used to say this to me before they, I, I used to get swatted a lot. I just want you to know, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And as kids, we, we laugh at that and think that's the most foolish thing. As a parent, we understand that's really true. It is. It is. But we discipline out of love. We bring boundaries because of love. 
God does the exact same thing because he knows if you continue down the path that you are going, it will bring destruction on your life and everyone around us. And may we be in a spot that we are humble enough before God and being wise enough to understand where to go for the correction. Because there's a lot of people out there saying a lot of things about the same situation. And I just got to be honest with you, some, many, are just trying to lead us astray. So Paul wraps it all up. He says, church, I love you. But there's some things you need to, you need to think about. You need to think about the choices that you're making. And he goes on in chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. Read that this week, and you're like, oh, my goodness, they were going through some crazy things. But Paul brings that to light because when we bring things to light, that's where God's healing takes place in our lives. I'm going to ask Jared to come up as we close. Um, maybe this morning... Um, Maybe God's just really just speaking to you and just, uh, maybe he's convicting you this morning. Maybe the Spirit of God's just convicting you. Maybe by some of the choices. Um, maybe God is just calling you back to a time of repentance, of restoration. Maybe some of us are like the hunters, man. We, we listen to the advice, but that's all we ever do. So we find ourselves even further away looking for direction because we've never chosen to actually stop and turn the other way. You see, when God works in our lives, He gives us the strength, He gives us the power to overcome those things in our lives. He gives us the wisdom and He gives us the understanding to know that the things, the path that we're taking is going to lead to destruction. He gives us the understanding to stop and to turn around and to follow after Jesus. Maybe this morning, maybe God's calling you and has been for quite some time to step up and be a servant leader. To stand in the gap. Say, I'm willing to take whatever comes along with standing on the things of God. I believe the church is in desperate need of men and women who will stand on the things of God. Not just in word, but also in deed. So we can also say to those around us, yes, I might, I might talk about it, but hey, come follow after me. I want to show you what it looks like to have a godly marriage. I want to show you what it looks like to, to raise kids in the ways of God. I want to show you what it looks like to be a co-worker who can love the people who continue to wrong me. I want to show you what it looks like to bring humility before others and to humble myself and to take that criticism or Correction and say, man, maybe you're right. Maybe the problem is me. God, search me and know my heart. And my prayer is all the time, God, if I'm ever the problem, Lord, take me out. 
Just take me out of the situation. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. We love you. God, you have stirred my heart this morning because of your word. God, I pray that your word this week would consume us. God, I pray, Lord, that we may reflect our lives before your goodness, before your holiness. May you be the standard of how we live our lives, Father. Father God, I know there are, I know there are many here this morning who are hurting. Lord, I know there are some here this morning who don't know you. They've never come to a point of surrendering their lives to you and choosing to turn the other way and follow after you. God, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be working. God, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. God, I pray that you would make their lives whole and new and a new creation, God, so they could live in the freedom of knowing you and having a relationship with you. God, I want to pray that you would continue to call more men and women to be able to stand in the gap. And we could say, follow me because I follow the one who changes everything. I follow the giver of life. So Father, again, thank you for this morning. Lord, we, uh, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.